Nostalgia Live Show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I'm your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is an Indiana basketball legend, a Washington Hatchet, and a University of Houston Cougar. Gary Greider. Mr. Greider, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, I know uh, your time is valuable, and uh, thanks for spending time with us and help keep nostalgia alive and talk about your uh, basketball memories. Well, thank you, and uh, this is fun. I'm glad you called. Um, what, was your first, what, what was your first recollection of the game, or uh, what's your first memory of basketball growing up? Well, I was, uh, you know, like you said, I'm a Washington Hatchet, and and uh, they're in Washington, Indiana. And everybody plays basketball in Washington, Indiana. So, you know, you drive down the street and just about every garage has a basketball goat on the outside of it. And so it was just uh, one of those things that everybody played basketball. Was there any one person that kind of influenced you to play or uh, did you just take up a liking of it right off the bat once you were introduced to it? Well, a little both. Uh, when I started the uh, the fourth grade, we moved. Uh, I'd gone to a little little elementary school, and my mother and father bought a bought a house down in the West End, and there was an elementary school just across the street. 
and the uh, they didn't even have a gym. You know, we did uh, uh, had a wonderful coach, and back during these times, it was really interesting that the coach was a woman. Oh wow! And, and it was Lena Dunn, and Lena Dunn was uh, was a basketball guru. She knew how to handle kids, and uh, we practiced outside. You know, when it got cold, it, uh, you know, as long as there wasn't too much snow on the ground, that we still get out there and practice and play. But uh, she had all the other coaches in elementary schools in that area mad at her because she always came up with the best teams. And so she was very instrumental in, uh, in, in my basketball career starting out. As a youngster, I mean, what was what was going on in the state of Indiana with high school basketball? Was there besides the Hatchets, of course, that you followed? Was was there anybody else you followed or kind of uh, emulated your game after? Well, there were so many, you know, back then. I have an older one brother, an older brother that's uh, six years older than me, and so he he played he played sports. He played all the sports, but he was more of an academic man where I was more of a sports guy and less of an academic guy I guess you could say uh, he got all the I always joke he took all the smarts in our family and, and didn't leave me with any but uh, I guess you know he had he had a little bit of uh, influence on, on what I did he had a lot of influence in my life as far as being the, you know the person that I am and my parents uh, my mother and father you know they supported me and all that we did, and, and especially uh, my mother, she was uh, she was a tremendous sports fan, you know, and she she understood the game and what it was all about, and and she loved she loved basketball. Was basketball your favorite sport, or did you uh, play other sports and uh, um, also? Well, I played uh, uh, baseball and uh, football. Uh, I was a quarterback on the high school team. You know, I was uh, 155 pounds. That was <laughs> that was weighing me with uh, all the pads on, and they put me in the shower to make me even weigh more. <laughs> than so anyway, I uh, I was kind of a I had a real growth spurt there, and I kind of shot up, and and uh, the weight came along later in life. <laughs> but I. Uh, I played uh, played football and baseball. I, I enjoyed baseball. Baseball was probably uh, my better sport. Uh, we as kids, uh, I had a friend there in the neighborhood that he played second base and I played shortstop. And you know, and growing up, we were always playing, you know, always playing baseball. So I, I love baseball, and to this to this day, I, I still like baseball just an awful lot. You know, back then they didn't have AAU. So, did you did you just play did you just play basketball all the time, or did you play did you play in junior high, or did you guys get together and play basketball all the time to to hone your skills? Well, constantly. You know, we uh, there in Washington they had a YMCA there, and that's where a lot of the games you know later on would appear. You know, guys that that had some skills and you could always go up to the YMCA and get a game and in a game. And so that was always, uh, that was always fun. And usually we're playing against older, older boys. And so that, 
that helped you grow. Yeah. It also humbled you a lot. About the time you thought you, <laughs> you were really doing good, well, you know, somebody would step up and prove to you that you weren't <laughs> as good as you thought you were. What was the history of uh, Washington basketball just before, you know, you, you know what you're getting into uh, uh, when you went to Washington, but, but what was the, tell the listeners a little bit of the history of Washington basketball before you got there. Oh, man. Well, they won a state championship, you know, there back in the early 40s, and there were some, you know, great names to, that uh, I'm not a big historian other than the fact that that their information and placards and trophies and things were all over the school. And then we had, uh, you know, it just progressed, progressed along. And it's tough to be a coach in Indiana because if you don't win, you know, they they ride you out of town on a rail. You know, it's 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 a tough uh, it's a tough business. And I had some good coaches, I had some really really good coaches along the way, and I was very fortunate that uh, that they let me develop, you know, kind of at my own pace and. And uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, do you remember your first game that you went to before going to high school? Well, you know there were there were a lot of games. We would we would go when my brother was playing. Like I said, he was six years older than me, so we would go to all those games when he played. He didn't. He wasn't a starter, and he didn't get to play much. But he he was on the teams, uh, both football and uh, basketball and baseball. He was a catcher in baseball, and. You know, when I was little, I'd play a lot of catch with him, and and uh, he was always very patient with me, and and uh, he was a role model for for my youth. Now, and, and the Hatchet House, correct? That's correct. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the atmosphere of of the Hatchet House before you got to high school, though? Well, it's it's a uh, it was the place. You know, we had the that's where they played the sectional every year in the hatchet house and so we were kind of the biggest school school around that played uh, played in our sectional and so we were kind of the uh the dreaded the dreaded uh, the washington hatches no one wanted to play the washington hatches uh, because they were they they had the edge and there was a lot of good teams and you know in that area and a lot of good players have come out of that area but everybody hated the Washington Hatchets because they hated to play them because they knew they were always going to be tough. And and through my career, that was pretty pretty much it until my senior year in uh, in high school. And that's uh, things changed a little bit at that that particular time. Once you got to Washington High School, was it what uh, was it easy for you? Did you have success with uh, uh, athletics? Well, you know, I'd always been fortunate. I had some athletic ability, and I'm not really sure where I got that from because uh, my father, you know, they they enjoyed sports. My mother and and uh, no one else really. You know, my brother played sports, and uh, that's just what the whole town was about. You know, it's uh, the Washington Hatchets, and as I got a, as I was in a freshman. Uh, I had a growth spurt, and uh, you know I I kind of got Langley, and I was playing, and uh, the coach that was there at the time, he he noticed that I had a little bit of 
of ability and and so he brought me along a little faster than than most uh, he moved me moved me up to the varsity at the end of my freshman year and that was quite an experience uh you know i went from from playing a lower level basketball all of a sudden i'm playing a higher level basketball so and i had the desire to to want to get better so that that helped also and i had a lot of a lot of support from family and friends uh, what was did you guys have any uh tournament success your freshman year once you got bumped up to varsity well you know we'd win the uh we'd win the sectional just about every year there <laughs> for quite a while <laughs> and then it and it and then it changed uh, uh a little bit uh when i was a junior we had probably uh, that was uh, we were ranked uh, high in the state we had a really really good team and they uh, in fact they were a lot of write-ups and everything that we were going to go to the state and back then there was no class system so uh, as you're well aware of and uh, so everybody started out you know the same and it was kind of kind of unique and we uh, went all year, and then uh, we were we were favored to win the sectional heavenly. Uh, we met Logoti in the final game, and there were some circumstances that happened before that that kind of kind of threw a little damp cloud on the team. Uh, one of our better players, uh, Charlie Harmon, had uh, developed appendicitis, and uh, they found him. You know, when they found him, he was he was uh, really in bad shape, and they took and operated on him, and but his appendix had burst, and so we thought he was going to be okay, but he ended up dying right before the sectional. And oh my goodness! It, it was a it was a very hard thing, and he was a very good friend, and it was uh, uh, the town, the whole town. You know, uh, Charlie was was our only black player that we had on the team at that time and he was uh he was an outstanding player and and the whole town they had to put it in a church there one of the larger churches in town because the whole town just showed up how much effect that had on the on the team i look back on it now and and it had more of an effect than than i really thought it did but uh, we played lagodi in the final game in the sectional we were supposed to win that easily and then go on to the region on the semi-state and probably end up in the state but uh Logoti and uh they had an outstanding player by the name of junior g and junior g uh he was the same age as, as me and he was a junior at that time and it's one of those games where everything they did was right and everything we did was wrong and you know in indiana basketball in that one game and you're out so they they beat us so that that put a cloud on the that put a cloud on our on our season and on that year rivalries so who would be washington's biggest rivalry and is it a passion is it a rivalry is there a little hatred involved well you know i never looked at it that way a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people do uh i just just for the love of the game i enjoyed the game and and you know you win some you lose some and some are rained out and and you know it's uh you just have to have to learn that and my mother and father told taught me that in life that 
you know, you're gonna there's gonna be some bumps in the road. You just have to learn how to handle them and and move on. And so they were real instrumental. They were instrumental in that. Some of the rivalries, you know, it changed from year to year. Lagodi, you know, they had that coach here, Jack Butcher. You know, he had always come up with some. You know, he's such a fiery guy and always come up with some good teams. Uh, Vince Hands was, you know, because their school was larger, uh, they always uh, they always had good teams, uh, especially in football. They they would you know, absolutely kill us in football. We were we were weak in football, but uh, it was always uh, it was always fun, you know, to play against those teams because you never you know you never knew what you were going to get. Did you enjoy, uh, did football keep you in shape for a springboard t- toward basketball? Well, <laughs> either good shape or bad shape, one of the two, because <laughs> we had a team, we, we couldn't we couldn't get people to come out for the team, you know, we, we didn't even have enough for a scrimmage, you know, here we had one of the larger schools around, and you know, we got guys walking around the school that were big and wore black leather jackets, but they wouldn't play football. And so we, uh, our little manager, our equipment manager, sometimes he would have to get out on the field to, to be the uh, extra man <laughs> just to practice. And so, you know, we would uh, we would get robbed pretty good. So, uh, but we had a lot of we still had a lot of fun and, and scared my mother my mother to death because. You know, I was uh, I was very competitive, and so I didn't back down, and and uh, so I got run over a lot. Now, were we talking about your freshman year, or, or was it your sophomore year that the tragedy happened, and you you met Junior G and uh, Lagodi? Well, that was my junior year. That was your junior year, okay? Yeah, we we played them a lot, but that was a junior year in a sectional that we lost. Okay, and we lost that game, and that was just a that was a heartbreak. My senior year, uh, you know, my junior year, they, they, they brought in a new coach. And uh, he, uh, Glenn Craney was his name. And, and Glenn Craney was a, uh, an, a really good coach. He was a, a very strong disciplinarian and uh, very conservative in his ways. And when we lost that game in that sectional, I was the only returning starter on the team out of it, you know, going into my senior year. And what happened was he decided, the coach decided, you know, they had a good freshman squad. That was with John Helm and, and uh, a few others. John Helm was the main one, and they were coming up a sophomore. So what, what Craney decided, I guess, in his own mind, I look back now, and he decided, well, this is going to be a building year, building year. We're not going to have that good of a season. So what he did was he only kept uh, myself and two other seniors, and uh, uh, he kicked off the other the other guys that were would have been seniors. Oh, wow. He kept one junior and brought up all the sophomores that were uh, with that off that freshman team. And uh, so we had, uh, he just felt it was going to be a building year. And so what happened was uh, we ended up having a little bit better season than what everybody thought. Uh, you know, we won games that we probably shouldn't have won. And uh, 
and we went into the uh, went into the sectional. This time, we're playing Lagodi in the final game of the sectional. They're the heavy favorite, and uh, we're the underdog. And that was uh, something that that changed at that time. And and how did how well did you guys do your senior year? Well, we beat Logodi <laughs> in that sectional, and uh, it was uh, it was quite a quite a victory. Uh, you know, we we weren't expected to get even that far, and and we won our we won our sectional, and so on. We go to the regional. I'll never forget my mother. You know, she went to all the games with mother and dad, and they had uh, season tickets. And right at the end of the game, uh, you know, they were they were fouling to try to get the ball back, and I was shooting the free throw, and and the people came down all around the the floor, down underneath the basket. I remember I'm standing there, getting ready to take a free throw, and I look there, and there's my my mother standing right underneath the basket. <laughs> And just smiling so big, she was so excited, and so proud. So I'll, that's a memory that I, that I'll never forget. So uh, we won that game and and knocked Logodi, Logodi out of uh, the tournament. So that was sweet revenge after the year before. So anyway, that that had a lot of influence on on uh, my career from that point on. What were some of the favorite places that you liked to play uh, high school basketball and and not so favorite places? Well, you know, I, I don't I don't really think there was a, a place that I didn't like to go play. Uh, you know, the the bigger schools, the Evansville schools were bigger schools. When we played them, they always, you know, played against some really good players. They always had some, you know, real good real good teams. And uh, you always kind of dreaded them. Uh, Jasper was always, you know, the, that that school, even though it was smaller than ours, was always had. Uh, they were always good competitors and good competition. You know, we we played them a lot. Uh, we met Ireland after we beat Lagodi. We met. Uh, we played. Uh, the, down in the regional, there were four teams there in the regional in Huntingburg. We'd go to Huntingburg, and the first game that we played was uh, we were the first first game, and we played Vincennes. And Vincennes had uh, beaten us pretty solid during the season, so they were pretty uh, confident that they could they could beat us. And we played probably one of our better games of the year on that, and uh, we beat. We beat Vincennes, and then Ireland played a played a team. I, I can't remember exactly right off the top of my head uh, who it was. I think it was Spring Valley or someone like that. The second game, or a team out of Terre Haute, I'd have to look it up. But they uh, they were the underdogs, and they beat they beat uh, that team. So we met Ireland in the uh, in the final of the regional. The Spuds, right? The Ireland Spuds, and uh, they didn't have a fellow that was over six feet tall, wow. and it was uh, it was an interesting it was an interesting game, and and we lost that game right at the buzzer on a on a weird on a weird play. Uh, their 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 
they had some good players on that team. They just played as a team. Had a had a had a coach that's. Uh, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to to read the uh, read a book. A book was written about that particular team. Uh, one small town, one crazy coach. I actually just ordered that yesterday because I wanted to read up on it. Well, that is a uh, it's an interesting book and and uh, it, it talks. There's one whole chapter in there about about the that game and so it was it was uh it was an interesting deal and so that uh that team was uh led by david small i don't know if you've ever talked to david small or not but uh david is just an outstanding individual became a coach down in uh, high school coach down in florida and still lives there in the tampa area to this day and quite a uh quite a, a networking guru he knows everybody and and uh everything that's going on and quite an interesting fellow so if you ever have a chance to or maybe you already have talk to david small he's uh he's a fun guy to talk to uh he is on my list of people to call uh coach uh toe drink has been uh so helpful in getting a lot of uh this contact info so that i can chat with you guys well that's uh that's great you'll you'll enjoy it uh david small is a, he's he's a world of information and and uh you know he keeps up with people and keeps up and we've become you know very good long distance friends you know we get together and you know play golf when we can and and talk a lot about things that are going on and he's he's been very instrumental in in the last year of uh of my life here about uh, introducing me to to uh to different people and and bringing the old the old uh, spirit back <laughs> and then they wrote this uh they wrote this book and it was kind of neat. I neat. I also read an article recently too, where you know you you were te- talking about uh, Mr. Small and how um, networking he is. He uh, he he kind of got you. Uh, I mean, you, you you thought there was a problem between you and Junior G, correct? That that is correct. Uh, you know, we we uh, just never ever communicated and and never really understood why, but. Uh, that just never happened until just uh, recently, and he was very instrumental in in uh, bringing that together. And it's been a wonderful experience because uh, Junior's a super guy. He's a super guy, and we've gotten to be uh, long distance friends, just like with David Small. He's he's a good guy. When did you get on the radar for uh, recruiting? And do you remember the first person that uh, uh, first school that tried to recruit you? Yes, I do. Um, now I need to back up just a little bit. Uh, Coach Glenn Craney, he was a uh, like I had mentioned, he was a a very strong disciplinarian, which which I liked, and uh, a purist in basketball. And he uh, he didn't allow uh, sports reporters to talk to any of us, you know. Very seldom that uh, I ever got interviewed. Very, very seldom that you know I would get uh, you know get bombarded by press people. He he uh, kept all that away from us, and so anything that happened about our team or, or about me was just from sports writers observing mostly. So I didn't get a lot of press, you know, on uh, on that, and so. Uh, it was uh, 
the recruiting then after the season was over after we were we were out then then the recruiting letters started coming in and people started started talking to me who are one of the first if if we know we all know that you chose the university of houston yes um but what other school was in the running that you could have possibly wore their jersey instead of being a cougar uh well evansville evansville uh even after i had signed with the university of houston jerry sloan who was a senior that year uh, uh he was still not a senior that year but uh he was ahead of me and and uh, he came to our home and tried to def- persuade me to to uh to sign with them instead of going to Houston. That was one school. Memphis State was uh, one school that, that recruited me. Uh, I had a lot of letters from, from smaller schools and uh, talked to several people, but I didn't uh, didn't uh, uh, get any any uh, you know interest, didn't spark any interest as far as I was concerned on what I wanted to do. Uh, Junior G and I actually rode up to Indiana University. Branch McCracken was a coach in, and he wanted to talk to uh, both of us. And he was more interested in Junior G than uh, than me. Spent most of the time with him, and uh, I uh, uh, he said, "Well, you know, you can come here on your own, and if you make the team, then I'll give you a full scholarship." And uh, that just didn't sit well with me at that time so that was the last conversation I had with uh, I had with them but junior he made the uh, the all-star team uh, I didn't make the all-star team the high school all-star team I had I was close but I didn't make it so uh, you know that was that was uh, that was fine but, you know I was happy uh, happy for junior and and uh, all that was going going his way at the time. So, how I picked the University of Houston because I know that's part of what you were going to ask me next. <laughs> uh, it broke my mother's heart, you know, because of course, like all parents, they would like you to stay close to home. And I, uh, Coach Lewis, back in uh, you have to understand the way Texas is. Texas is just a reverse of what Indiana is. You know, football is everything in Texas. You know, everything revolves around football. I've lived in Houston, Texas for the past 20 years and understand. Oh, you, you have lived yes. in Houston, huh? Yes, yeah. yes. Well, you know, we're uh, Houston uh, had no, uh, they were an independent school. You know, so Guy Lewis you know, back then, you could give as many scholarships away that you wanted to. There was no restrictions on that. If the school could afford it, they would they would uh, offer scholarships. And so what he did, he did most of his recruiting in the Midwest and the East. And he'd just take those trips to, uh, you know, look for talent. And he'd just go from town to town and talk to people. And he'd be in one town talking to somebody, and he'd ask, well, who else should I talk to? And so, you know, my name, my name came up with uh, from somebody, and so he stopped in and uh, and talked to us, my my parents and and me, and yeah, 
he's very uh, charismatic guy, very persuasive guy. You know, my mother really liked him, and that's the way he recruited. And he invited me to go down and see the school, and that was the first long trip airplane ride that I'd ever taken. So I went down and visited the school and saw what they were doing, and and uh, and I uh, after heavy thought and all that I made a decision to uh, to go to the University of Houston and it turned out to be a, a real good real good decision for me was there you know at, at the age of 18 was there a little bit of uh, uh, maybe a rebellion because uh, of the way Indiana University treated you and you didn't make the all-star team was there a little bit of that well to heck with that I'm going to go to Texas no, not really. Okay. That never even that never even entered my mind. Uh, I'm not that type of a guy, and uh, you know I didn't harbor any bitterness. You know, for that uh, I figured I didn't make it because I wasn't good enough, uh, or they didn't think I was good enough, and so it. Uh, uh, I, I would have gone to other schools. Uh, Vanderbilt was one that. Uh, you know, did some recruiting, you know, of me, and, and they had had a great school. And uh, my high school basketball coach, he actually went to Western Michigan playing baseball, or Craney, and that was the only suggestion that he gave me. Uh, he says, uh, you ever thought about going to school and playing baseball? And he said, uh, you know, just say the word and you can go to western michigan on a baseball scholarship and and at that time the only thing that was in my mind was basketball and so i never even considered that although baseball was maybe probably my better sport and uh, but i went to uh, i selected the university of, of houston and it was a great decision you know, I'm assuming that uh, coach lewis is a very smart man and he flew you to houston probably in the spring months Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it was not quite so hot and humid, but uh, i tell you what, uh, it was ironic because the first year, you know, they have a lot of, as you know, they have a lot of humidity down there, and I'd look at the temperature. You know, our dormitory was several blocks away from uh, the main campus, and so I'd walk to, my freshman year, I'd walk to class, and and uh, you know, I'd look at the temperature. I said, "Well, that that's not bad." And I'd I'd walk out the door in in uh, short sleeve shirts and walk into class. And I liked to froze to death that first year because uh, it was just uh, you know humidity and it was just different. And so it took me a little while to adjust to that. But it does get hot. It does get hot in Texas. <laughs> okay, I, in doing some of my research on you. I, I, I found this, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, when you when you got to the University of Houston, of course, uh, at that point in time, uh, freshmen couldn't play varsity basketball, so you played freshman basketball, correct? That's correct. Okay. Were you guys known as the Kittens? Yeah. <laughs> we were the Cougars, you know, the Houston Cougars, and right. so the freshmen were, they were the Kittens. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, the... I, I read that, and I was kind of like, that just doesn't sound uh, uh, ferocious or, or, oh, wow, we're getting ready to play the kittens. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That, I always thought that was a strange name, too, but it goes along with the Cougars, you know, the Houston Cougars, and that was their mascot. So the freshman team were the kittens. 
Now, when, when yeah. you when you got to U of H and you start to play freshman basketball, what what what's the difference in the game style from Indiana? And uh, who were some of the uh, members that you were coming into the team with when you were on freshman team? Well, it's ironic. Like I said earlier, they could give away as many uh, scholarships as the school had money for or wanted to give away, and you could visit as many schools as you wanted to back. Now they have they have restrictions on that. Uh, I understand. I don't know exactly what those are, but I know they have restrictions back then. They didn't. And there were actually in my freshman year when I came in, there were 18 freshmen wow. that came in on a full scholarship. And I look back now, uh, only three actually stayed their career out there and graduated from the university out of out of the 18 that, that went in so the competition was uh was pretty fierce it, it was good uh no black players uh which didn't really affect me uh one way or the other in my thinking uh, uh i didn't have that i didn't harbor any thoughts like that and still on to this day but they uh uh there were no blacks because they were an independent school and they could get away with that my sophomore year they became state supported and that's when they brought in the uh, the black athletes and it was a good thing and they went out and recruited uh, you know some good ones uh, in football and basketball because they knew they they had to do that and and uh, it turned out to be just just a wonderful wonderful experience i was just happened to be at the right place at the right time uh, what was playing uh freshman games like how did you guys travel who, who would you guys play as a freshman team mostly junior colleges we would go and play junior colleges and uh, a lot of junior colleges in texas and that was a step up so we we got some really good good competition and we would travel by either bus or uh personal vehicles you know we we would that's where we'd we'd travel and we'd go to these junior colleges and they would come and you know play us you know at that particular at that particular time and lots of times the games would be you know right before uh, the home games would be right before the uh, uh the varsity games and at that time, they didn't have their own stadium. We played in a high school gymnasium there on campus, Jepson Stadium, which had a football field and a, a basketball uh, venue there. And it was actually on the University of Houston campus. That's where the Houston Oilers played their football games at the beginning. Oh, George Bland and all those. So we used to go over there and sneak in and uh, get to go to the Oiler games, you know, and watch them right there on campus. And when I was recruited, they showed me uh, a picture and uh, drawings of Hoffines Pavilion. Judge Roy Hoffines, he's the one that was instrumental in the Astrodome. He was, uh, they were building this, it was supposed to be done between my junior and senior year. That was the recruiting uh, information that we got. So we were looking forward to that. That happened uh, a few years after I graduated. And it's uh, still there to this day. Were you chomping at the bit as a freshman to get to that sophomore season and, uh, you know, play for the Cougars? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, one of the other influences that 
that I liked and really weighed heavily in my decision was they, they were an independent and they, uh, they traveled all over the United States and, uh, played, you know, top teams. And, uh, uh, the schedule was was uh, was really demanding, and it was really really a good schedule. And that that was a was a big influence in my my decision on going to the University of Houston. Also, uh, I just liked the schedule. When it became state supported, you know, we still still did that, and then they they later on became part of the Southwest Conference, and then they they moved on to other other conferences they're in that conference usa now so it was uh uh that was after that was after me but uh i enjoyed the uh playing the top teams and the travel uh, my sophomore year i uh i was more of a defense specialist they they put uh me and one other guy uh david sparks uh uh he would uh, he would come in and uh, uh, David Starks not Sparks David Starks would come in and we we were the defensive specialists and they'd put us in and go out there and do a full court press and and terrorize the other team they called us the uh, the whiz kids so that's what I did my sophomore year I did mostly that I got to play play a lot but uh, just in just in spurts i didn't i wasn't a starter uh, my junior i i was kind of the sixth man on the team and uh you know i would i played an awful lot my my junior year and mainly i was the uh the floor general and the guy that brought the ball down the court and threw the ball into the good guys uh, my, my sophomore year is when they recruited uh uh you know, and started out, they were freshmen. Uh, you know, Alvin Hayes and Don Cheney were the two basketball uh, black athletes that they brought in. And, you know, the rest is history on those two guys. They were just incredible players. So you got the – how many years did you play with both of those guys? One year? Uh, well, I they were a year behind, so they played the fresh, freshman ball. They still maintain that. So I, I got to play two years with them. You know, my my junior and my senior year. Did you wear number twelve as a cougar? That's correct. Were you also number twelve as a hatchet? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. How they handled out the uh, how they handed out the jerseys was, uh, you know, we had a student manager, old Howie Lorch. He was uh, he was a student manager, and when it came time to hand out the uniforms, he he'd say, "Okay, uh, you're a guard. Here's here's your." You know, whatever's left you got, and that was my number. And at the time, I didn't realize that uh, the home jerseys were even, and uh, and the uh, away jerseys were odd. So I wore 12 at home and 13 on the road, and that didn't affect me. That didn't bother me. But I didn't think of it at the time. I was number uh, 22 and 23 in high school. You know, I read in doing some research uh, for chatting with you. I read that uh, you had uh, you had quite a bit of hops you had a, a, a nice vertical well uh you know you, you had to to get in there and play with those those big boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but probably i i had fast feet uh you know i was i was i was quick in short distances and uh you know i could i could beat anybody uh 
you know, half court. You know, they'd line us up and we'd run sprints. Well, I, I could beat anybody for half court. But uh, from that point on, uh, I always had a funny story to tell tell about Alvin Hayes and, and Don Cheney. Don Cheney was out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And Don Cheney was a, uh, uh, a high school basketball All-American. And uh, outstanding demeanor, uh, you know, went to class, uh, got his degree, uh, you know, just, just a super nice guy. Never complained about anything. Uh, just a super nice guy. Elvin Hayes, from his work ethic, was just the opposite, you know, uh, of that. He uh, he he didn't like to go to, go to class. He didn't like to practice. You know, he didn't like to you know do any of that. But when the when the game time showed up, he was always there and in top form. But he uh, he could run like a deer, and. Uh, you know, we always got. We always joked about the fact that Coach Lewis, at the end of practice, he would always line us up on the end and he'd say, "Okay, go down and back." And the first one back, you know, gets to go in early. You know, he, they're the first to go in. They don't have to run anymore. Well, Hayes would be down there and all the way back and going down the ramp before we'd even get back. You know, I mean, he had a stride that'd take about half the court. So he was, he was. Uh, he was an incredible uh, athlete. You know, it's interesting, and, and, and maybe I maybe I misunderstood uh, the uh, the research that I did. Is that the, the little article that I read was that um, you you guys like to play a, uh, all the team, and they included you in that. Um, uh, even even you uh, like to play above the rim. Well, you know, I I couldn't. You know, uh, they all played above the rim. Uh, you know, I, I was I was just six two, but I didn't. You know, I could barely dunk the ball. Right. And uh, you know, it wasn't a shot. If I went in fast, it wasn't a shot that I I would do. But everybody else on the starting five would dunk. Same <laughs> 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 me. And that's uh, uh, I tell you something. You're talking about dunking. That's uh, interesting that most people don't know. Here's Elvin Hayes. Uh, you know, he was a, uh, a first-team All-American. You know, both he and he and Cheney, both first-round draft choices. Uh, you know, Hayes went to San Diego, and and Cheney Cheney went to Boston as the number one draft choice. Hayes, six-nine, could run like a deer. If you watch any of his clips, and when he would dunk a ball. He could. He would always use two hands, or he would cup it. His hands were not any bigger than mine. He could just barely palm a ball. And most people don't. You know, he went through a career here. You led. You know, he's in. Well, he just recently, I think, got knocked out of the top ten and all-time scoring. I mean, here, here's a guy that's just incredible, most valuable player in the NBA, several years, and he could not palm a ball. Wow. And I was just a. Uh, a strange phenomenon, but boy, did he, when he made a dunk, you knew everybody in the stadium knew that he made a dunk. Uh, when we played UCLA in the Final Four, we drew them the first round. We really had the second best team there, and but they were just they were just too good. You know, they 
had Al Fender and Lucius Allen, Michael Michael Warren. Those were the big three. But that that wasn't the uh, those weren't the guys that that killed us. They were so good. There was a left-handed guy by the name of Lynn Shackelford that uh, shot left-handed shots from the corner. We ran a one-three-one zone. We had Al Fender and Warren and Allen shut below their game, but he killed us in that that game. But the very first basket that our team made was Hayes went along the baseline and did one of those uh, Tarzan uh, uh, dunks. <laughs> dunked that thing in the uh, and it shook the bank board. I, I couldn't believe it didn't break the rim and it didn't, all, it didn't all come down. And of course UCLA was unbeaten at the time and the crowd was naturally for, for us. We were the underdogs. And so the crowd went nuts, and boy, a feeling went through my my body that hey, we can beat these guys. And uh, it didn't didn't work out that way. But we they were just too they were just too good. Where was that game played? That was played in Freedom Hall in Louisville, and uh, that was uh, and Dayton. Dayton had a surprising team got in there against North Carolina. Back then, you played. Uh, uh, consolation games. Dayton, Dayton beat North Carolina, and then we played North Carolina in the, in the uh, consolation game and, and and beat North Carolina easily. So we really had the second best team there. But uh, they were just UCLA and Wooden. I, I'm sitting here at my desk, and I've got all these books here. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of that man, and uh, he. Uh, he was. He had. Uh, he put together some great teams and a good Indiana boy. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Yeah, that's right. So that was. Uh, that was. Uh, I got to. I got to uh, play some against some really fine players and with a lot of really really fine players. So I feel. I've always felt blessed that uh, I made that decision but there's one other decision that was probably my best decision that I'd ever made and I didn't know it at the time was uh, we played uh, we had a, a good enough team to get in the NCAA tournament and you know in the first rounds but that's as far as we could go my sophomore year and we're flying uh, up to uh, Manhattan Kansas to play in the, we were up in Kansas playing the first round, and back at that time there was there was a Texas airline called uh, TTA, Trans Texas Airlines. We everybody called them Treetop Airlines because they <laughs> they flew old DC threes and that, so they chartered the DC three. And I'd always had an interest in flying. I'd always wanted to be a pilot, and so since it was a chartered flight. Uh, they had the cockpit door open back then and they could do that and you could just wander up in the cockpit and back and forth and uh, so I'm up sitting on the jump seat and you know talking to the talking to the pilots and the uh, the captain was a typical the old style uh, pilot he had a big old belly and had a cigar that he didn't have lid in these in his mouth and he's he's jerking our chain and I'm asking him all kinds of questions and 
you know, how do you know where you're going and all that? And he says, well, you see that road down there? We just follow that road, you know, and just kind of laugh. <laughs> so I've got the headset on listening to, uh, listen to uh, the radio and what was going on. And the next thing I know, uh, there's someone behind me. And uh, I turn around and I look and there's this beautiful woman that's uh, standing behind me. And I turned around and I said, uh, "Would you like to, would you like to hear the, the, uh, the radio?" And I took the headset off and and put it over, uh, put it on her head. And I noticed when she put her hands up that she had an engagement ring on. And so from that point on, I said, "Oh, she's she's engaged." Well, make a long story short, you know, when I looked into her eyes. My head's been in the clouds ever since. You know, we'll just be celebrating our 49th wedding anniversary this uh, this year. And so that's the best decision that that uh, I'd ever made about going to uh, University of Houston. She was a cheerleader. I knew she was a cheerleader. But I, uh, you know, never, never was ever, uh, you know, around close until then. And so the the rest is history. So there's more to the, a little bit more of the story than that. Uh, I knew she was engaged, so I didn't interfere. And, and uh, she was actually getting married. This was in, uh, you know, late February, early March, and she was actually uh, getting getting married in May. And so, uh, make a long story short, she broke broke the engagement, not even knowing if I would call her and all that. And the word got back to me that she had done that. And, and uh, we started dating, and like I said, that's, that was 49 years ago. Well, actually, 51 years ago. <laughs> and I'm still, she's still the most beautiful woman that I've ever seen. So that is uh, an, that is an amazing story, and congratulations. Yeah, I'm a happy guy. I'm uh, a happy guy. Any children? Yes, we have two. Two. Uh, we have a son. That's uh, that's very uh, successful uh, person he has his phd and uh he's been very successful all his life and he has uh he has two daughters uh, one's in college and one's in the junior and high school now and then we have a daughter that uh, uh has three children uh our only grandson the firstborn uh he's a he's a minor league baseball player for the Boston Red Sox, he's in he's in his uh, for second full year, and he's in the advanced day and for the uh, uh, in Salem, Virginia, for the Salem Red Sox. And he's a pitcher and and doing very well. So uh, we we really enjoy following him in his career. He was drafted right out of high school by the New York Mets. He was a 75th choice in the uh, in the uh, draft. And went in the second round, but they they tried to lowball him on money, and he could go to about any school that he wanted to go to, and he liked Arkansas, uh, University of Arkansas. He traveled around and looked at all the schools, and and so he signed a letter of intent to go to Arkansas. With that new collective bargaining agreement, when they couldn't agree on a on a uh, you know on a price, they. Uh, uh, he just said, "Well, uh, 
if I go to a four-year school, I'm not eligible for the first-year draft again until after my junior year. But if I go to a junior college or go to Japan or, or whatever, then you're eligible after one year. So he elected to do that. He went to a small baseball school outside Oklahoma City called Seminole State. Had a real good coach and a real good baseball program. And he went there and pitched for for one year. And then the Boston Red Sox drafted him early in the second round. He was a 45th choice. And so he's playing uh, professional baseball. And he's doing, he's doing very well. His team's not doing too good, but he's... Uh, He's putting the numbers up like it should be, and so we're all proud of him. Uh, the second uh, child of my of our daughter, uh, she just graduated from high school, and she's tennis, and she's on a tennis scholarship over at East Texas Baptist over in Marshall, Texas. And then we've got another uh, granddaughter that kind of came along a little bit later. She just now ten, and she may be the best athlete of all of them. Uh, she plays tennis and also uh, golf. And here she is, nine years old, just took up the game, and she made a hole-in-one. Oh, my gosh. You know, over water. And she didn't realize what she had done. You know, it was, a, it was about a 160-yard shot, and she knocked it over water and knocked it right in the hole. And so we get to go out. I love to play golf, and so we go out and play a lot of golf together. And, and uh, you know, she... She is just an incredible, incredible athlete. So she may be the best one of all. So it's fun. Man, what a ble- <laughs> what a ble- what a blessed life. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, we're we're having a good time, and and both of them now uh, live in our area. Our son and his wife lived up in Iowa, in different places. Uh, lived up in Iowa for a while, and now they're back in this particular part of the country. So both, all of them are here, and so we're we're enjoying our, our retirement years. Did you ever get to play a college basketball game for U of H in the state of Indiana? We played Notre Dame. You know, we played Notre Dame. That's uh, off the top of my head. I'd have to pull out the annual and look. That's the only one that I recall. Uh, and that was uh, that was my my uh, one of our losses my senior year. And we went up there. That's when they had uh, they played in the old field house, and it was so loud in there, and and uh, so so uh, they they just muscled us around. And every call went their way, so they <laughs> they uh, they beat us. <laughs> well, you, you, that, that was just one of our few losses that we had that year, and that was Notre Dame. You know, going going back to that article that I read. You know, you even crossed paths with uh, Junior G in college basketball, correct? That is correct. And this is uh, this is an interesting story. Uh, you know, all these years, uh, when I was a sophomore, you know, like I said, I didn't play much. We went over and played Miami, University of Miami. And that's when uh, Rick Berry, Rick Berry was there. And he led the nation in scoring that year. And uh, uh, Junior G, Junior G played on that team. And he, uh, we played in a, they played in a junior college. And I know why he he led the nation in scoring because you couldn't get within five feet of Rick Berry, and they call a foul on him on you. <laughs> and they had the referees bought off, I guess. 
but anyway, they uh, they had the benches that uh, you know underneath the baskets, and you know they, I was on the bench, and the very first shot that Rick Barry took, he came around to the top of the circle, shot a jump shot. It hit the back of the rim, went up about ten feet, and then went right straight in the middle. And I turned over David Starks, who was sitting next to me, and I said, "We're in big trouble." And we had a plan. We uh, we had a guy by the name of Denny Newman who uh, was from uh, Illinois. He was 6'5". He was a uh, defensive guru. He was a, you know, had very nervous type of guy and just couldn't stand still. And, and Coach Lewis told him, you guard Rick Berry, even when he doesn't have the ball. If he goes to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom with him. You know, he said, you stick on him like glue. Well... Uh, that's what Benny Newman did, and I think uh, Rick Barry scored 52 that night. So we really shut him down. <laughs> but the thing that was puzzling to me is when we lost in the sectional in high school to Logoti, my mother being the person that she is, and I'm looking at the letter here right now, she wrote a letter, and I knew that she had done this back then. She wrote a letter to Junior G and just said, well, you know, they are uh, who she was and and just uh, appreciated his, his natural ability and his attitude and his sportsmanlike conduct and wished him all the success in the world and, and that she knows that he'll be just really a good player and signed it you know Gary Grider's parents Mr. and Mrs. D.A. Grider and sisters Connie and Patty and my brother was already gone off to gone off to college and he, he went to the Naval Academy for a while but anyway she wrote this letter and I knew she had written this letter when we got down in Miami uh, I was puzzled because you know we were out there warming up and you know, I'm waving at him, and, and uh, you know, he wouldn't even acknowledge me. And, you know, he never acknowledged this letter that I knew had been written. And I just thought, well, you know, he's still, you know, harboring ill feelings, you know, that uh, fact that we beat him. I mean, he really took basketball serious and hard. And... I just said, well, if that's the way he wants to be, I guess that's the way he'll be. And so we never, ever made any contact. And then uh, my junior year, they came over and played in Houston. It was the same thing. And so I just felt, well, he didn't want anything to do with me. I guess that's the way it is. So I just kind of let it go. And I don't know if you know the rest of that story or not or are you familiar with that story? Uh, yes, I am, but please please share it with the rest of the audience. I'm also going to put the article with the uh, show also, but uh, uh, share the rest of the story if you don't mind. Well, that's fine. That, that's fine. He uh, the, the gist of the short story, the short version of it was, you know, he was he was bombarded with uh, recruiting letters and and uh, 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 offers and. He got letters, good letters and bad letters. You know, he got letters by the Indiana basketball from people that hated him because they beat the Washington Hatchets, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, we found out 
David Small was very instrumental on this because he, you know, gotten together with Junior G and played golf with him over there in Florida and, and knew him and all that. And he was very instrumental in, in putting all this, uh, getting us together. And it turned out that Junior G, after 50 some odd years, he had thrown all these letters in a box and figured that his his kids or his grandkids, you know, later on may want to look at that. And he got it out and looked at it, and that's when he found the letter. And when he uh, he read, read the letter that she wrote to, to him, you know, he cried. He actually said he cried. Well, when we had that, when we had that meeting, uh, David Small also put together. We played on a American Legion baseball team between after my senior year before we both went to college, and he was on that team. I was working. I didn't get to play that many games. It was for Jasper. This was 1963, and, right? Yeah, this okay. was 1963, and so uh, this was before we went to both went our ways to our colleges. But uh, he, uh, uh, Junior, I mean, uh, David Small put together this last thing where they had the legends get together this, you know, last spring earlier in the year. And I was invited to go to that. Uh, Junior G found that letter. And he, uh, this would be the first year that I had gone to it this year. And. Uh, he wasn't going to go, but when he found out I was going, he said, I, I'm going to go because I've, I've got something I want to share with him. He told David Small this, and I didn't know this. And so David put together that American Legion baseball team. Kind of, We went over to American Legion, and all the ex-players that had played on that team and had a little get-together, had a dinner, and everybody kind of got, got up and talked about what they, uh, you know, we had our wives there, and talked about what they've done you know and talked about things that they remember well junior g was one of the first ones to get up and he brought that letter and uh he he apologized to me right in front of all these people and read the letter and told that he cried you know and uh so anyway that that was uh that broke the ice and that was just a remarkable thing that he did and so We've gotten to be, uh, you know, renewed our friendships, and, and uh, you know, I talked to him quite a bit on the phone, and he's got two sons that now live on Austin, and be seeing a lot more of each other, you know, so it's just quite a, quite a experience, and for him to get up in front of everybody and and say that that was, uh, that was uh, really special. After so, after graduating from U of H, what what path did you take? Well, uh, I always wanted to be a pilot. And after my senior year, my wife and I got, got married. And after my, my senior year, uh, uh, Vietnam was still going on. And a lot of my classmates and, and people were, were getting, uh, getting drafted. And so I went down. Uh, I always wanted to be a pilot. And you know, my eyes were okay, but I have a stigmatism in my right eye that I didn't know until later on in life. And so I went into all the recruiting stations, and at that time, the war was starting to wind down, and there were, uh, they, I talked to all of them, and they would not, they would not take me uh, in the pilot program. The only ones that said they would consider it was were the Marines, 
And I said, well, sure, I'll, I'll sign up. And they said, but we can't promise, promise you that we'll be in school. We'll put you in a navigator school. And then maybe you can get in the flight school. And I said, well, that'd be fine. I'll do that. And let's just put that down on paper and get that. Oh, we can't do that. So I knew what was going to happen if I signed. They would give hand me an M16. I'd been over there in the rice paddies. And yeah. I didn't want to didn't want to do that. I didn't avoid it. I went through school. You know, I had a school deferment. I didn't avoid the service. I just I bounced along in front of it. And then, and then we got married. They gave me another deferment. And then we had a first child. They gave me another one. So I never had to serve uh, uh, a lot of it. Like I say, a lot of my uh, my classmates and my friends have uh, you know served, and some of them some of them made it, and some of them didn't. Some of them got shot up pretty bad. So that was about a bad time, and so uh, that was when my wife and I decided that, hey, the uh, United Airlines had a, a program, and they didn't care about the uh, eyes as long as they were correctable, and the requirements were you have a four-year degree and your private commercial license, and so we scraped our money together, and we, I was got my private license, and I was just about completed with my commercial license when the Vietnam War ended and so the doors the windows slammed shut and uh, all the pilots came back and they were no longer need of pilots so that thing had uh, gone out to you know my dream about becoming a pilot I always wanted to be a pilot from a little boy that uh, that went on one out the door so I did other things life's been real good to us and and uh you know, we ended up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I live closer to Fort Worth. We live here. We came up here in 78. And, uh, you know, like I said, life has been good for my wife and myself. Things have gone good. And, and I have a very good friend that flew for Delta Airlines. And see, back when I first applied, way back, age 26 was the kiss of death as far as age was concerned. The military was that way once you got past age 26 nobody would even look at you so I I uh, gave up that that career thought and my buddy flied for Delta Airlines he uh, he was a captain with them and he says you know Grider I know because I was always bugging him about flying and talking to him about it and how I always thought that you know I missed that opportunity and so uh, uh, he said you know he says, they're hiring fat old ball-headed guys like you <laughs> for the regional airlines. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, no, they are. And he said, he said I'll, help you, uh, I'll help you do that. So he kind of gave me some direction, and, and uh, we were in a position to do it. And I went back and finished my ratings, bought a couple airplanes, and then uh, built some time and, and got hired by Atlantic Southeast Airlines. And I was based here at Dallas-Fort Worth. And so I flew for them until I was uh, up till 10 years ago when I hit 60, your mandatory retirement. So I had almost 20 years, 20 years in, uh, of flying. And so I got to, I got to fulfill my dream, and, and uh, my life's been good. It's been good. What, a, what an amazing interview. Uh, thank you so much, Gary Greider, for uh, helping us keep the nostalgia alive. And uh, I, I, that's just amazing. So thank you so much. Uh, we ran a little bit long, but I appreciate your patience, and thank you so much uh, for being a guest on Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for calling.